and welcome to the Horizon Church podcast. Horizon Church is a Christ-centered, word-based and spirit-led church. We are so happy to bring this week's message to you. And on behalf of our pastors, Brad and Ali Bonhomme and the Horizon Church team, we pray it's a blessing to you. Let's pray before we get started and... um... And then we'll get into it. Thank you, Lord, for um, everything you do for us. God, you are the creator of relationships and um, you're creator of love. And we just thank you for being here with us tonight. I pray that you speak to everyone individually, Lord God, and that your hand is upon this meeting. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. So we wanted to address over this next couple of weeks a whole demographic, demographic excuse me, of people that will be in the room in all different ages and stages and different, you know, stages of relationship. Some of those are to those who maybe are feeling the disruption or disappointment or feel robbed of opportunity in dating over the um, COVID years. You know, so many people feel a bit ripped off because these are their dating years. This is the time when maybe they're just ready to get out there and they've felt like that's been taken away. So we really relate to those people. Those who are in the room who are single and longing to settle down. Those who are crashing bad on a friend and wondering how to move forward into a dating relationship. Those who are single again and still holding out for their second chance or third chance maybe. Or perhaps those who have the gift of celibacy and like Paul, feel unburdened by a strong desire in that area or they've chosen for personal reasons between them and God to honour him with celibacy in, in that area of their life. Or lastly, for those who are married and believing for God's finest, not just good or not just great, but God's masterpiece of marriage, those who are believing for that. That's something for everyone. And I just want to start out by mentioning our Christian worldview. So, you know, we we live in a world that is just so heavily populated with a culture that says, if it feels good, do it. If you're into it, go for it. You know, it's all about the feels. If you've got the feels, chase after it. And what we're going to talk about tonight is how do you live in that culture when it's all around us, even for you guys, much more so than it was for us. How do you live in that culture and not be of that culture? How do you set yourself apart and build a new normal for you and not and not become like the world around you? And we're going to go into that a little bit because, you know, God's it's important for us to understand God's stance in this area. In areas of dating, relationship and sex, God is not some kind of prude. God is not trying to limit you or prevent you from experiencing physical enjoyment. He wants to bless you with lasting, holy, um, righteous intimacy in your relationships. And He wants to do that because He wants to protect you because He loves you. And I think that's where the the world sells it differently. The world says, you know, you're missing out. You know, you're just being ripped off and, and you can't do this and you can't do that. It's actually... It's actually not that at all. Yeah. It's that God wants you to have the lasting, the, not the counterfeit, the original artwork, the original masterpiece that He created for you. So how do you navigate being in this world but not be conformed by that worldly culture? And Lloyd's got some points that he wants to go through to explain some of that. Yeah, I think when you think of the world's way versus God's way, it, it's completely different. I mean, you look at the world's way now, it's like, oh, you find someone, you know, you, literally, you can have sex the first night and life's going on and then you create this relationship after that, after that intimate moment and then before you know it, you're into a relationship, you move in together and you see how that works 
And then there's brokenness. Did you know that, have anyone looked up the statistics of people that actually live together and then get married? It's phenomenally bad. It works out to around about 12.5% of people in those type of relationships actually make it past five years. They actually get married. Like it is drastically worse than the normal um, divorce rate. And, and, and it's not that hard to change. you just got to make strong decisions. Yeah. You know, one of the things that we are really passionate about as a couple is helping people have fruitful and enjoyable relationship, yeah. relationships, not just enduring, not just making it through the next year and making it through. And we're staying together because, because of the kids kind of deal. We're actually staying together because we love each other yeah. and we're, we're just having this fantastic time. We're friend, we have a friendship and we're lovers. Like it's a deal that, you know, it's like your cake and eat it too program. And... Um, <laughs> So it puts on weight though. Um, but, um, but the thing I, I really want to help you understand is God is a God of order. He's not a God of disorder and like see how it goes. And I know we, one of the things that I really suggest when I'm, I'm talking to young people about and, and people in general about dating is date with intention. Like date, have an intention about your dating. Know where you're going. Like one of the things, you know, I had many, many, many offers before Fiona came along. <laughs> and so what? Uh, and I know you're thinking, how did I get up? That's what it, well, there's a miracle. Okay, so, uh, but the thing is, no, I'm joking. I, 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 I saw girls and I thought, oh, that's, she's nice or something like that. But I just knew they didn't have what I wanted. All right, they weren't going in my direction. And, and I've got some questions here for you. Actually, I'll, I'll go through that in a second. But, but the things that I, I look at is to actually understand it. If you do this well, you, you, you eliminate a whole bunch of pain later on down the track. All right, because broken relationships, it's not just about you. It, there's a ripple effect that actually happens. If there's kids involved, then you created another generation of brokenness in, that, in those lives. And so if you do it well, and you know what? I really believe that anyone, anyone in a marriage, doesn't matter what's happened. Now, I, there, sorry, there is circumstances where it's an absolute, but I think anything can come back from the dead. And we've, we've yeah. seen it. Fiona and I have counselled couples that have been dead and gone. I'm talking living in different places. And we've had to be quite abrupt. And there was one particular guy that stood up at the table and dropped the F-bomb at me. And, and I stood up and said it back to him and, and said, <laughs> mate, you don't own that word. And, um, <laughs> but, um, but I had to be abrupt to him so he understood whose house it was. Because I was there to help his marriage work. I wasn't there to be nice and tender and meek and mild. I was there to thump the living crap out of him <laughs> to make him understand that this thing was worth making, you know, making a job of, all right? Because then you see the results. Tough love sometimes is what people need. They need to understand the truth, okay? So. Okay, I really felt when I was speaking, oh, sorry, when I was preparing to speak tonight, I felt God really hone in on those who are single and maybe single for a while and those who are maybe being tired of being single. And I really want to speak into that. And, you know, so many areas of this, um, God is all over it. And I just want to unpack a little bit of that for you because how do you navigate being single well? Because firstly, you know, we need to understand that it's okay to want or yearn for a partner. It's totally okay because God created us to be in relationship, right? The problem arises when we are so completely focused on, be, on finding a partner that it becomes a filter that we, we view everything through. And it begins to permeate our language and it can very subtly begin to define us 
as desperate. And I want to speak into that because desperate will definitely not help your cause. Desperate is a, a repulsion. You know, when people sniff that you're, you know, desperate, it, it's, it doesn't help your cause at all. It, it actually repels people. So how do you stay on the healthy side of expectant, but not desperate? <laughs> Desperation is actually, well, not a desperation, but when you filter everything through finding your partner, it is actually a form of idolatry. So it begins to take over. It begins to be the filter. We, we view everything. We might go widen our circles and there's nothing wrong with doing that. But when we're at someone else's church and we're in worship scanning the crowd going, there's any hot guys in here, then it's becoming a filter. It's becoming idolatry. So how do we do that season well? If you have convinced yourself that finding your life partner will make you happy or will complete you, you're sadly mistaken. Because the only relationship that will last a lifetime is the one that you have with yourself. So you need to get that one right first. And you need to become the person that you're looking to attract. Because like attracts like. And like Christy mentioned this morning, we don't take one half and another half and make a whole. We take a whole healthy whole person and another whole healthy whole person and we put them together to make one. So, you know, how do we, we become that whole? I want to talk to you about two things spiritually. How do you do that spiritually? And what God spoke to me about was this, and you might not like it. <laughs> Buckle in. He spoke to me about surrender. And the definition of surrender is to yield the power, control or possession upon compulsion or demand. Now, I'm not saying that you surrender like you would to an adversary because God is not your adversary. It's not you giving up. It's not you going, that's it. I'm done. I give up. I'm never going to find my partner. I'm never going to find my someone, my soulmate. It's not that. It's not that at all. Surrender looks like this. Let me explain it to you. I had to surrender my children when I first got the literature about dedicating your child and I read it and then I felt like I want to change my mind because I'm like, wait a minute, dedicating your child is, is actually saying, God, you love my child more than I do. And I'm saying, when I dedicate my child, I'm saying your way, not my way. And I'm, I kind of wanted to go, hang on, I don't know if I'm ready to say that. I don't, what if God wanted to take them early? What if their life was destined to be a short one? How's that okay? Am I actually okay? Am I okay to do that? That was tough. And I have wrestled with this as the dedication came. It wasn't just for us about, yay, here's our mind, you know, lion cup baby, hold him up to the world. <laughs> it wasn't about that. It was actually going, God, I am dedicating my child to you, my child that you love more than I do, and I'm saying that have your way with his life, the life you have planned for him, I'm okay with that. And you know what happened? I got to a place where I had to say, you know what, God, heaven forbid that you have a plan to take my child early, but if you did, I'm surrendering to your will. And do you know what happened? There's this incredible shift that comes that brings this liberty and freedom when you hand something over to God. It's not saying, I want you to take my child early. It's not saying that at all. It's saying, God, 
I trust you with this thing that is the most valuable thing to me. I trust you with it. I lay it down. I put it at your feet. So when you surrender, that's what you're doing. You're not, you're not saying I give up, like I said before. And what you are saying is, do I truly trust God with this area of my life? Do I truly trust God to find my spouse without my control? So I'm not saying don't go online and I'm not saying sit at home and wait for Mr or Mrs Wright to knock on your front door. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying there's a subtle difference between surrender and being expectant. And you know what? Abraham and Sarah went through this very thing. Do you know that when, when God showed Abraham the stars and the sand on the sea and said, you will be the father of many nations, he was 75 years old. He was 75. And then he was 76 and 77 and then 78. And then he was 88 and then he was 98 and still nothing had happened. And in that time, in his impatience, they, he and his wife, Sarah, <coughs> excuse me, had hatched a plan. Because who doesn't hatch a plan when God's taken his time, right? It's like, are you really hearing me? Lord, are you really hearing me? So what was the plan? The plan was that Sarah had a great idea for Abraham to sleep with, his, with her servant, her slave, Haggai, and have Ishmael, this other son. And, you know, sometimes when we intervene, <laughs> we end up with something that's not God's plan. You know, we end up with something that might look like God's plan, but it's not actually God's plan. And when God's plan did come about, Abraham was 100 years old. He kept his promise. You know, he kept his promise. So sometimes he tells us to say, you know, to take our hands off, not to give up, not to, you know, excuse me, not to, like I said, sit at home, but just to surrender to his plan. And yes, be expectant. But let's go back to Genesis. God took me here. Just let me read this to you from Genesis 2. It says, this is when God made Adam. Then the Lord God formed man from dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being, an individual, complete in body and spirit. And the Lord God planted a garden, an oasis in the east in Eden, which means delight and land of happiness. And he put the man who he had formed there. Then we skip down to verse 18 and it says, Now the Lord God said, It is not good or beneficial for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper, one who balances him, a counterpart who is suitable and complementary for him. Look look at this. Who said it's not good for man to be alone? Who said it? Was it Adam? It wasn't Adam, right? How many times are we like, God, it's not good for me to be alone? You know, and we forget that God knows it's not good for you to be alone. God said it. God saw. God knew. God knows. He knows your situation. So we can trust His Word. We can absolutely 100% stand on His Word and take it to the bank. He will take care of it. He will take care of you. So that's spiritually. And then finally, practically. How do you do that practically? Can I just say... Value the community that you are in. Value the community. You are part of the largest, most diverse community on earth, an ancient global revolutionary movement of people. 
that serve the Lord, who will champion you, who will come alongside of you, who will speak the truth to you, who will give you a word, who will speak Scripture into your life. Value community. Seek out those who have travelled this journey before you and get alongside them and ask the questions. What do you think about this? I'm feeling this. What do you think? I felt God said this. What do you feel, God? Can you pray over this for me? Can you get a word for me? Be open to wise counsel. Do you know, it might surprise some of you that when Brock and T began dating a number of years ago, um, you know, you wouldn't think that there was much of a question because T's a catch, right? (laughs) She's beautiful. We loved her. But Brock not only sat down and, and asked us what we thought, he took two other, you know, highly respected pastors out for coffee and sat them down and said, this is what I'm feeling. What do you think about this? And, you know, give people permission, value trusted people in your life permission to speak into your life, to direct you, because sometimes we've got our filter on, right? So that's really valuable. I think, you know, just stand on God's promises, have that subtle difference between what it looks like to control and to surrender. And yes, still live expectant, but trust in His Word. See, God has a plan for your life. You know, unfortunately though, the devil does as well. All right? And you just read it in John 10.10. It actually describes the devil's job description. He's a thief that comes to kill, steal and destroy. All right? But God actually comes to give life and life more abundant. And if we trust and we, we stay within those principles of righteousness... Guess what? That opens up to us, and um, and I've got some a couple of points here that, that I'm going to read out to you of things that I, I really thought about. Okay, what what are things that protect people these days on basically wasting time dating the wrong person? All right, because you're emotionally you know caught up in it, or making quick decisions. And like I said, date with intention. Okay, and so the first one is if your family and friends think they're a weirdo. All right. <laughs> Just leave them alone. Red flag. All right. Don't waste time there. Like some people go, well, I'm going to push through. All right. Don't, don't push through. Like if, if you're getting feedback from people around you that love you and care for you, listen to it. All right. This is not like I want to prove you wrong kind of deal. I'm going to spend the rest of my life just making this guy or this girl into something that's normal. Like don't try that hard. Like make it quick, quick decisions. All right. Next one is, how do they treat others? Yeah. Yeah. All right. How do they treat others? Yeah. When you go out for dinner or you go to the, you know, you might go bowling. And I always say, like, you know, with our boys, I've always said, just create a friendship first. You know, start a friendship. Go to things that are fun, enjoyable. You know, like, like I said, enjoy it rather than just endure it. And, and what I mean by that is, is, you know, understand how they, see how they treat people. How do they treat the waiter? How do they people, treat the people behind the counter? You know, are they abrupt if someone makes something, you know, does something wrong? See how they treat other people, okay? Do they have a generous spirit? All right? And I don't mean about who pays all the time. You can work that out. That's like people, like for me, I always paid, all right? Because that was the way I just wanted to be like that. And, um, and right at the beginning, I just, I just paid and it was the way I wanted it to be done, all right? Fiona always offered, but I just said, no, 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 because I was chasing her. That was my thing. Okay, and money can corrupt you. No, I'm joking. <laughs> but um, uh, it, now, this is for the girls. All right, is he a provider or is he lazy? All right, some people are absolutely lazy. 
right? And they're, they're the wrong people. We've, we've done counselling and coaching with people and I'm saying to Fiona, that marriage will never work. Why? Because the guy was pathetically lazy. He had no ambition. He was never going to go anywhere. He would have got, you know, his high ambition would have been grabbing a broom and sitting on it, you know, and it was literally, he had no ambition. And so literally the marriage lasted a few months. And I did, I, Fiona had to beg me to actually do prepare with that couple because I hate being on a losing team. <laughs> and I knew it was never going to work, right? And so, you know, just are they lazy? Are they a good provider? That's a good question to ask yourself. All right. Do they listen or do they talk over you? All right. Are they insistent? They always have their opinion and your opinion doesn't count. Okay. If you're feeling like every time you leave, you feel like, I didn't really say what I wanted to say. They never asked me about my day. All right. See, compromise leads to compromise. You start to compromise in any area of your relationship and guess what? That will just start to spread. It's like wildfire. Physically, you know, if you're getting too close to that line, right? I remember this story. My dad, my dad's a pastor and he used to preach on this thing and he'd say, you know, there was this, and it was, you know, one of those old stories and he'd say this driver, uh, this multimillionaire was interviewing for a new driver. And the thing was, he had a big line of guys come up and, and he said, okay, and he took them out to a paddock and he, there's a cliff there. And he lined them all up and he said, okay, how close could you safely take me to that cliff? And the first driver goes, look, I could get you within six feet and we'd still be safe. And the next driver, four feet. The next driver, three feet. And then this driver goes, I wouldn't take you anywhere near the cliff. Wow. And he goes, I'll hire you. All right? And that's the same with dating. Don't try and find where the line is. Just stay away from the line, right? Because once you honour God in that part of your relationship and that intimacy and you take that into your, into your marriage and it, it's, it's fantastic when God honours that, okay? And so think about that sort of stuff. Um, compatibility. Do you get on? Or are they just last, you know, the last left? It's like you know, when you're at school and, uh, you know, it's like... Okay, you're picking for volleyball or something like that, and it's like, oh, oh you'll do. <laughs> the last one left. Okay. Well, is that what it's about? All right. Are they compatible? Do you have that spark? My mum, she's 80 years of age, and I was talking about this to her a little while ago, and we were coaching a couple. She says, oh, Lloyd, there's got to be sexual, uh, sexual attraction, you know? <laughs> and I said, that's exactly true. There's got to be an attraction, but there's got to be compatibility as well. You've got to be able to get on. It's not like, oh, wow, the hottest person in the world, but... Gee whiz, <laughs> a terrible lifestyle, you know? And it's like, you've got to have a compatibility there event. Do you feel encouraged, supported, happy, cared for, or confused? Or do you feel trapped, insecure, and unappreciated when you're with them or when you leave them? Are you better off when you're with them or are you better off when you leave them? Okay? Do you sit at home and go, gee whiz, this is really hard. I don't know. And if you've been going out with someone for several weeks, even months, and you're thinking you don't know, okay, you got to maybe have a little break and think about, okay, I'll just sit on that one. Because, you know, forever is a long time. Yeah. Okay? And so do they have anger issues? In Proverbs 19, 19, it says there really clearly, if someone's got an anger, anger issue, you'll rescue them again and again and again and again. Unless they sort it out themselves, they cannot be rescued from it. 
Okay, you cannot deliver them and just go, well, I'll fix them. I'll come in afterwards and I'll fix them. I'll make them right. I'll, I'll make it work for them. I'll be able to change them. How many times do you hear that? I'll, I'll change them, all right? It's not going to happen. And then the other thing is, and it's the most important, is the relationship that you're in taking you closer to where God wants you to be and your relationship with Him or is it taking you away from Him? Okay? And that's a really easy guide on knowing whether, hey, this is the right relationship or whether it's not. So good. I think too on that topic when Lloyd spoke about, um, you know, intimacy and um, staying away from the line, that same self-discipline, that same exercising that muscle of self-discipline outside of marriage is the same muscle of self-discipline that you will exercise inside of marriage to not have an affair with someone else. So, you know, even though it might seem difficult, it's actually something that you need to develop because you will need it later in life anyway. So it's important to really exercise that self-control, build that muscle of self-control. You know, because we, even as humans, we need to just, you know, um, be in control of our um, our impulses, right? Like when to, when when we've had enough to to eat, to stop eating. Like we don't need to eat anymore. Or when we're too close to the line, like this, this is where we stop. We don't need to go beyond this place. So I think building in those places of self-control in all areas of our life, in our temper, in our our intimacy and our, you know, in all areas, it's so important to build that muscle because you're going to need it. You're going to use it in all areas. Um, we've got some questions. Do you want to start with yours, hon? This one sure. here. Okay. These are your questions. You had some great questions that came through social media. So we're going to go through some of these and hopefully unpack and give you guys some answers. So you okay. go first. How to avoid church gossip, drama. Don't have, oh, and, um, you know, and people talking about you going out with someone. Yeah. Okay, it's one of the things in church is like, did you hear, did you hear such and such is going circle. out with such and such? Like, who cares? Like, I always just say, just keep it to yourself. Yeah. Don't advertise yeah. it. Yeah. Don't tell everyone you're going out with such and such. Just keep it to yourself. Just make it between you guys. And like I said, keep it fun. Enjoy yourself. Don't make a big deal of it. You're just starting to get to know each other. Yeah. Make it easy. Make it light. Enjoy yourself. Okay. That's cool. This one, how do young people who have grown up surrounded by social media relationships navigate dating when it gets hard versus quitting when times are tough without working things out? So obviously this person has um, observed people just getting to a point where it's uh, there's a difficulty and then people just bail, right? It's like the Hollywood, I'm feeling it, feeling all the feels and now I'm not so much feeling the feels and I'm it's out. It's the J-Lo effect. It's the j <laughs> Poor JLo. I feel in love. I'll get married. Can I just say on this one? <laughs> stop. Can I just say feelings? It's only going to cost twenty million. <laughs> feelings are not truth. Feelings are not truth. Do not make your major life decisions based on feelings. Feelings are fleeting. They change with the weather, with you know all kinds of different circumstances. Um, they will misinform you and wind you up in a place you don't want to be and they'll change tomorrow and, you know, feelings are not truth. And I gave a story recently about when I, I was parked in my car at the post office and I was addressing an envelope and I was sitting in the car and my, in my peripheral vision, I felt my car moving backwards and I slammed my foot on the brake. You know how you go, 
and, and you think your car's rolling backwards. And then I realised that it wasn't actually my car rolling backwards. It was somebody slowly rolling in beside me. So that motion looked the same, but I wasn't moving at all. But everything in me told me that I need to slam the brakes on because my car is moving backwards. Now, I had a physical response to those feelings. I had an, an, a knee-jerk reaction, and that's what feelings will do to you. So relationships should not be based on feelings. They should be based on, like Lloyd said, compatibility, compatibility sorry, um, values, trajectory, where are you going, what's important in your life, where do you see your future, those kind of things. Feelings are awesome, but they're not what you base your decisions upon because they will change. And you know what? When you're in a marriage, feelings change day to day too. Feelings are not what keep you committed. Feelings are definitely not the glue. Commitment is the glue. Because, you know, sometimes you wake up and you don't like your partner very much at all. That it's never like... happens. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, commitment is the glue that keeps you together when you don't feel like you're in love that day. So I just want to say, yeah, in that scenario, feelings are not truth and don't base your um, big life decisions on feelings. Um, this one said, or asked, uh, what, if, what if I don't want to have a relationship? Don't. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's not compulsory. Yeah. You don't have to be married. You don't it's actually have, uncomplicated. Like, it, it's yeah, it's awesome. really uncomplicated. In, in Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians 7, it says, it is good for them to stay unmarried as I am. Okay, but if they cannot control themselves, they should get married. Uh, for it's better to marry than burn with passion. Yeah. All right. So if you don't feel like, don't feel like you're compelled to do it. Like there's no obligation of in, you know, because you become a Christian at Horizon Church, you've got to get married. No, yeah. that's not the truth at all. Yeah. All right. And um, yeah. This is a great question. Fear of commitment. This person said. Um, <clears throat> I am scared that I won't be able to commit to someone because I am free-spirited, I love change, I'm independent, and I'm worried I might grow tired of someone in time. I think that's an awesome question. Just such a wise question to ask. And, you know, I would say to that, um, you can be spontaneous, adventurous, free-spirited, and also be committed. It's not either or. You can be all those things and be committed. And for that person, I would say that's probably a great um, opportunity to go and sit down and talk through that fear of commitment with somebody and unpack it and understand what it really is because you can still be all those things and have a lifelong relationship with someone that you love. Okay. This is an interesting one. Age difference. Okay. Uh, eight years difference. All right. Now... Let's clarify a few things. <laughs> let's, let's make sure they're both adults first, all right? Okay, let's be really smart about that. Okay, because, um, but even then, I, look, I think age difference is fine, but I think it's up to the individual. Again, it all gets back, back to wise counsel. You know, I, I've seen people and they've been a, quite a big difference in age, but they weren't compatible. And it was, they were Christians, whole relationship broke up because there was a massive age difference. There was a massive compatibility issue and all that. They were just living two different worlds, okay? And, and part of that, the root of the, the problem was there was a massive, massive difference. And I'm talking huge difference in age, okay? 
but they weren't compatible. Where I've seen other people that it's been fantastic. Yeah. It makes no difference at all. Yeah. And so I always say this is everything with relationships, it's an individual thing, yeah. right? There's no absolute. There's never an absolute. But you've got to talk to someone about it that you trust and that, so, that someone needs to be able to tell the truth to you, yeah. okay? And um, that makes a huge difference. Um, is sex outside of marriage still sin, even if you are committed to them? This is another awesome question because this is exactly how our world views everything. That's normal in the world. Why would you not be living with someone, sleeping with someone when you love them? You know, the, the Bible says that all sexual encounters outside of marriage are actually sexual immorality. That's what it says in the Bible. And it says in 1 Corinthians to flee from sexual immorality. You know, um, the reason, like I said earlier, is not because God's approved. It's not because God wants to rip you off of something. It's actually because He wants you to have the original article, the not the counterfeit, not the world's way. He wants you to have the pure, righteous, holy relationship that will see out 30, 40, 50, 60 years. You know, and in 2 Timothy, it says this, if you keep yourself pure, you will be a special utensil for honourable use. Your life will be clean and you will be ready for the Master to use you for every good work. And can I just say on that note, many people in our world have already been down that road. And you know, that's okay because God is in the business of redemption. This is not meant to be a judgy, finger-pointing evening. This is meant to be, guys, God wants the best for you. He wants the best for you. And nothing that you have done actually disqualifies you from this. You still qualify. But maybe we just need to make some adjustments in our world. Maybe we need to set some absolutes, draw some boundaries. And you know, God's Word is infallible. And you know, the definition of infallible is that it is faultless. It is flawless. It's perfect. It's true. It's unfailing. It is always effective. It is guaranteed. It's dependable. It's trustworthy. It's reliable. It's sure. Are you getting this? It's certain. It's safe. It's sound. It's tried, tested, foolproof and surefire. So, you know, when we hear God's Word, when we hear God's instruction, we can absolutely take it to the bank. 100% take it to the bank. And so I want you to stand tonight because I want to read God's Word over you. Is that okay? Let's all stand. We're going to go into a time of ministry, but I want to read this over you. And why don't you maybe just raise your hands in, in, a, in a posture of receiving from Him and just listen to His heart over you. This is from Psalm 139. It says, O Lord, You have searched me thoroughly and have known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. My entire life, everything I do, you understand my thought from afar. You scrutinise my path and my lying down. And you are intimately acquainted with all of my ways. Even before there is a word on my tongue still unspoken, behold, O Lord, you know it all. You have enclosed me behind and before and you have placed your hand upon me. Such infinite knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is too high above me, I cannot reach it. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, 
you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the dawn, if I dwell in the remotest part of the sea, even there your hand will lead me and your right hand will take hold of me. You know, he knows how many hairs are on your head. His word says, fear not, you are of more value than many sparrows. So tonight, if you need to surrender, if you need to just tweak the way that you're viewing your singleness, your marriedness, your situation, your promise, if you need to let go and let God, if you need to hope again, if you need to dream again, or if you need to reposition yourself into God's ideal for your life. We're going to pray for you tonight. If any of those areas, if you relate to any of those areas, we're going to pray for you. So why don't we, as our worship team just plays, why don't we invite you to come down the front and let us pray for you that God will have His way in your life, in the area of relationships, that you'll see with fresh eyes the destiny, the future, the promise, the purpose that He has for your life. Why don't you come? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thanks for listening to this week's message. For more info about Horizon Church, please visit our website at hz.church. Have a fantastic day and we hope to see you again soon.